Welcome back. This month we're heading overseas. Testing one, two, three. Oh, hi, Singapore. Are you there? Yes, this is Chekwi here. Oh, Chekwi, hello, this is Philippa Lam. I'm the one asking the questions now. <laughs> well, I say overseas. In fact, I'm in a studio talking across the airwaves to three people in Singapore about how the HR picture looks over there. Why Singapore? Well, the CIPD has just arrived there with an Asia hub opened earlier this year. On top of that, in a post-Brexit world, the UK needs to make new trade friends, and Singapore may well be one of them. And there are interesting parallels between the two nations. Singapore, like us, has had its own contentious and long-running migrant worker dispute, and now, by popular demand, has quotas for overseas workers. Other challenges are coming thick and fast, and the world of work there is changing to meet them at speed. No one in the office has a room for him or herself. It's your open so, plan. Yeah. And do people find that difficult? Honestly, even personally, I find it difficult. <laughs> I myself took um, some time to to get used to, you know, communicating through Skype, sending instant messages. But after a while, it becomes fun, or in fact, it becomes addictive. That was Fu Chek Wee, Group HR Director at Zalora, an e-commerce fashion business selling clothes across Asia and Australasia. Chek's response to his own shift from a traditional compartmentalised workplace to an open-plan startup reflects what's happening right across Singapore. Paint us a little picture of the um, of Singapore on, on the workfront population size, key employers. What are the big issues there? Well... Singapore's population has grown by a fifth in you know, 10, 15 years, and that's a massive growth by any measure. Wilson Wong is Head of Insight and Futures at the CIPD and co-author of a report called The Future of Talent in Singapore 2030. It explores the drivers shaping the workforce there in the next decade and a half. I think Singapore is a very useful barometer of how city-states or large cities like London, New York, Shanghai, Hong Kong will go. Yes, I mean, there are some marked similarities and dissimilarities, aren't there? You've got a highly educated and ageing workforce mm-hmm. in Singapore. But the culture there, my sense is that on the on the business and commerce front, on the general employment front, more risk-averse. It is culturally a more conservative society. Small-c conservative. Yes, and the uh, the reliance on on the government and central planning is is quite strong. So I think that's where the risk averse comes in. And the government's a huge employer. It is. That's a huge part of the Singapore landscape. So you're talking about Singapore Airlines, Singtel, all these large multinationals. They are huge players in in such a small economy. Singapore has long been a hub for international workers, of course. But immigration is a controversial issue. The People's Action Party, who've been in power for over 40 years, lost key seats by failing to respond to it. And when they later unveiled a budget reducing dependence on foreign workers, they won those seats back. So there is a tension between this policy of trying to promote local talent, which is homegrown in a particular uh, environment, and the interaction that has with a messier international talent base. So whilst you want to promote your talent, you also need to look at what the costs are in terms of cutting off some of that international messiness and diversity. 
Clarence Howe-Yin Wei is Group Director, Human Resource Group at International Enterprise Singapore. That's the government agency charged with driving Singapore's external economy. Uh, our main aim is to help companies to go global, helping them to expand overseas, as well as to help make Singapore a global trading hub. OK, so you're obviously spending a lot of time talking to corporations at home and abroad. How would you characterise workplace culture in Singapore? Well, workplace culture in Singapore is generally quite a uh, Asian culture. What I mean by that is there is a somewhat uh, hierarchical uh, respect uh, and therefore there is positional uh, authority. And hence, in the types uh, of interaction or team dynamics, you observe such culture. I guess when you compare the kind of uh, expectations or dynamics, yeah, you will see a slight difference between those we see in Asia those we see in Singapore and, also, of course, those we see in the Western Hemisphere. So, a conservative society with a big government presence. But Singapore is in a period of rapid growth. Su Yen Wong is CEO at the Human Capital Leadership Institute. Businesses in, in Singapore are facing probably the biggest challenge, which is around disruption, right? And disruption comes in many forms. You know, it's, it's you know, on the one hand, you think about, you know, driverless vehicles. But on the other end of the spectrum, it's also, you know, artificial intelligence taking over um, knowledge workers. So, you know, there, there are now um, robots, as it were, um, that can actually, you know, do the job of uh, lawyers or accountants or even investment bankers. You know, what used to take hours and hours could take, could take minutes. So I think when you think about the talent pool, the biggest challenge is really around how do we actually evolve the talent pool to be ready for these um, for these challenges. It's going to take a very, very um, dramatic shift in skill sets and mindsets um, to be able to make that happen. So on the one hand, there are hierarchical, somewhat risk-averse employers and labour practices that might seem outdated by contemporary Western standards. But on the other... Because Singapore is so small and compact, it's proving both ready and adept at being a very early adopter of the sort of tech we know will soon change the face of work and employment here in the UK. So, what are the key recruitment challenges facing Singapore right now? Well, all our guests agreed with Fuchek Wee's analysis on that one. The biggest change is really about finding, attracting, building and retaining quality workforce to group businesses. So it's a competitive market. On the talent front, there's been a, a something of a tension between homegrown talent and overseas talent. Thinking about the business you're in, that's a global mm-hmm. business, a very competitive business. What are you looking for? There are three things that we look for. First of all, it has to be the technical competencies. Technical competencies in this part of the world, it's rather limiting. E-commerce business, it's at its infancy in this part of the world. Number two is finding people who are willing to, you know, go the extra 110%. Um, It's not easy. I think the last criteria that we look for when it comes to finding good talents to join our ventures, technical fit, cultural fit, the last piece is the X factor the people who have this uh, strong interest to make a big difference, not only for their career, but also for, for the company that they serve. When did you say you're in, you're in a new sector, it's particularly new where you are geographically. Singapore, it's been, and possibly I think it would be fair to say still is, a small C conservative employer and career path employer. 
the sort of business you're in doesn't work like that at all, does it? So in terms of cultural acceptance, getting high-quality people to accept they're coming into a sector that's by no means as predictable, are you struggling with that? Interestingly, it's like three years ago, when we go about asking, hey, would you be interested to join a startup? Or would you be interested to join an e-commerce company who's going to change the way people shop, right? Hmm. It was tough. But three years later, we have the government strongly support this whole industry. You know, in fact, the funny thing is that uh, when people talk about, hey, I'm a data scientist, I'm an entrepreneur, I'm a co-founder of a company, it becomes glamorous. Entrepreneurial spirit is on the rise in Singapore, but the government still looms large. It means a great deal to Chek Wee that the government backs his industry, for instance. And when it comes to tackling thorny problems such as the ageing workforce, Singaporeans tend to look first and foremost to the government for answers. And in Singapore, I'm very fortunate to see uh, or observe that... um, our Singapore government has been really supportive and really recognising that uh, this issue that will have um, an implication on productivity and, uh, and how can we continue to grow as fast. Suyen Wong has seen a similar move away from young people automatically following the career paths their parents took. Ten years ago, you know, when you, when I go onto university campuses and talk to you know students who are graduating, everybody wanted to work for a big name multinational company, uh, and very few of them would have wanted to say you know start their own business or go down an entrepreneurial route. Uh, but ten years on now, you know, it's almost the reverse, and everybody wants to start up their next startup company to become the next unicorn and so forth. And the balance is somewhere in between. But the point being that I think if you look out into the future, I think we'll see a lot more people take unconventional paths. As a result, the definition of what constitutes talent is evolving. Right now, I guess uh, we are in a time of rapid change. Uh, the global economy is now having new technology, uh, sharing economy. Uh, the world is becoming flatter. Is there a sense now in amongst employers there that they're having to think perhaps more creatively about what mm-hmm. talent will actually be in terms of needing you know, perhaps more agile thinkers, less hierarchical thinkers. Exactly. If previously, under the previous economy, old economy, being strong functionally is a talent, then now given the rapid change, the ability to deal with it, the ability to think of creative ideas to stay relevant, the also, I guess, the ability to think deep and analyse the building blocks of assumptions that are behind what was previously the trend. That long-standing belief that strong educational achievers were your talent has given Singapore a highly qualified workforce. But the sense that agility is what's needed now is spreading. We're all living longer. So if you think about a career, you know, if somebody's living 100 years, which I understand babies that are being born today will live to 100, you know, you could possibly be thinking about a 60-year career. So think about what could happen in that time. And clearly one's going to have to go through multiple reinventions of oneself. So yes, indeed, um, I think we'll be looking at talent that can can reinvent itself, um, at organizations that can likewise reinvent themselves. And uh, obviously the challenge is how to make sure that those two synchronize together. An ageing workforce, another parallel with the UK, but in Singapore, unlike here, unemployment is very low, with no shortage of good roles on offer. In the sense of 
shifting the cultural way to perhaps a more alternative view with um, fresh thought, as we've just been talking about, about what's going to be needed in the future for roles we haven't even thought about. Are you seeing organisations getting their arms around that sort of idea and preparing for it, or are they still pretty much continuing in the way that they have done? Yes. One of the things that uh, we're certainly observing is the need for much more international and global experience. So for us at the Human Capital Leadership Institute, our mandate has always been about how do you develop you know, the next generation of leaders for Asia? And that means that you know, whether somebody comes from Singapore, from Japan, or from Thailand or Indonesia, how do you prepare somebody to take on a regional role or a global role? And fundamental to that and all the research that we done suggests that this is really important, is the opportunity to actually have had stints in environments that are foreign to one's own. And is there a willingness amongst people at the beginning of their careers to do that? We, we do see an increase in interest um, from young talent in, uh, in, in going out there and, and you know, trying, trying out new experiences. Uh, is it enough? No, I think, uh, I think a lot more needs to be done. And judging by, you know, the, the feedback that we get from, from our clients, I think they would wish that more um, Singaporeans and indeed Asians would venture out. Would it be fair to say there's, there's a need for perhaps attitudinal change on the part of young workers coming into the, the start of their careers now? Because obviously you have very low unemployment there. There hasn't been much need for the brightest and the best to go go overseas to find work if they didn't choose to do so. And as I understand it, a lot of them haven't chosen to do that. I do have to agree in part. There are probably, I feel, general difficulties in finding people to go overseas, to be based there overseas. So we've started to actually look at shorter term deployments. For example, going there for two months, coming back for one month. Here, a stint working abroad is seen as a strong point and great for your resume. Not so in Singapore, where it's not been popular, partly due to a good choice of job roles at home, but also due to the cultural importance attached to family ties. But that may be changing as another global trend starts to impact on Singaporeans. You know, that search for purpose or meaning in one's job uh, is something that's on the uptrend. And some of this, obviously, is, is also, I think, a bit of a counterba- uh, counterbalance or a counterweight um, to some of the forces that are at play. So the more you see work becoming fragmented or sort of disintermediated, you know, into sort of projects or the gig, gig economy or taken over by robots and whatnot, I think the more there is an inherent human desire to, to, to ensure that there is, you know, what, why, is, why, why are we living and why are we working? What's the purpose of that? I mean, I think that must be true, but in, kind of in cultural terms, that's perhaps a bigger shift for Singapore even than it is for us here in Britain in the sense that before, when people thought about a good career there, it would have been perhaps much more about, you know, a a hierarchical staged progression from A to B and, you know, much longer term, longer times in roles, you know, more that sort of way of working. And and this is very different, isn't it? Absolutely. And that's probably the biggest shift when you think about the workforce as a whole. You know, I think it becomes incumbent on organizations to think about how they're going to evolve their talent. How do you help the people that you have um, adjust so that they can likewise evolve um, with your needs? Short-termism always pops up in conversations about the fundamental problems with British commerce and productivity – 
but Singapore's outlook is pretty well the polar opposite. There, the government works to a 50-year labour force plan. In Singapore's labour development plan, they follow quite a traditional path of looking at growth sectors and then preparing the the labour for those particular skills. What the report questions is whether having a, the traditional single-minded focus is enough to hedge against some of the more chaotic developments in that they're likely to face in the future. This is the nub of the matter, isn't it? Agility. Agility and a celebration of greater diversity. A move to less traditional career paths, the rise of an entrepreneurial spirit, the search for meaning and purpose at work amongst millennials and the focus on finding and growing local talent. According to Su Yen, these seismic shifts in Singapore's working culture translate into a fascinating opportunity for HR. I suppose we would see organisations have a much more flexible approach to hiring and developing talent. So by that I mean that it's pretty common for many organisations to sort of say, well, I have a role that I need to fill and I want somebody who looks exactly, you know, with these parameters, who've done exactly this job before and can do this job right away. But I think, you know, moving forward, the types of jobs that we'll be thinking about in the future might require a bit more of a flexible skill set. So it's really looking at how do you hire and develop for potential. My thanks to Fuchek Wee, Clarence Ho Yin Wei and Su Yen Wong. And now that the CIPD is established in Asia, we'll be dropping in from time to time to see how the HR landscape is evolving. Meanwhile, next month, trade unions. With ongoing industrial action by doctors, rail, tube and postal workers, to name just a few, why are we seeing such troubled labour relations this year? And what can you do to avoid them in your own organisation? Join me then.